What is up, everybody? Welcome to the show. I see things a little different. This is your Monday show. Super excited. Thank you to everyone who listened to the Black Widow review. It is officially up right now, so that's why you need to subscribe and like and follow all that good stuff so that way you know when these shows come up. That was episode 101. Super excited. Now we're in the 100s. Um, today, we're going to talk about pro wrestling, and we're actually, I, I recorded some wrestler profiles. And pretty much what that is, is I took a wrestler and went through like two or three years of what they were going through and just point out the highlights. Um, I recorded several. I just I, it, I just haven't had a chance to put them out there because other things have been going on. But today, we will get to that. That's at the very end of the show. Um, next week may be only just a wrestler profile as I am going to my first Comic-Con in 15 months it's been 15 months a very long time super excited to go comic palooza houston here we come panel at 10 30 a.m on sunday i will be there both days though working um i'll be in houston so that's super exciting um we'll appreciate your support and as I always do so let's get right into it let's get into we have some good news of the week and some bad news. We're going into the bad news first because I don't have much to say about it because I think it's an ongoing issue that just um, is sad and I know it will figure itself out. Um, Jimmy Uso was arrested last week for DUI again. I believe this is the third time, but a fourth or fifth time of, of a situation with, involving liquor. Um, they're not going to do anything right now because he is one of the main focuses on TV and he is Roman Reigns cousin but I think people want people I think people want discipline but the one thing I think about is when Scott Hall and X-Pac and Triple H and Scott Hall in particular sits on an interview he sent several interviews since that he went to rehab 20-25 times in their WWE's watch on their dime you never know what's going on behind the scenes. I do not want to make it seem like WWE is not doing anything just because we see him on television. Is it a, a, a privileged thing at the fact that um, he's still on television? Absolutely. Um, it, it helps that he is the cousin of Roman Reigns. It really does. Um, and hopefully he gets himself together. But I don't think he realizes how many people he affects. He doesn't just affect his twin. He does not just affect his cousin. He affects his wife. You know, he has connected to so many people. And so, the, the main point is him getting help before someone seriously gets hurt. And we're not just talking about him. It could be somebody else on the road that, he, that he's hurt. So, just keeping him in mind, keeping him in positive vibes that he gets his mind right, his life right. So, to that, we're going to move on really fast. We're going to talk about SmackDown. We're going to talk about... The debuts of Tegan Knox and Shotzi Blackheart as they defeated the women's tag team champions in a surprise upset. But also then we have Vignette saying Storm, Tony Storm is coming. So it's that time of year where, well, and they need it. Do not get me wrong. Women's, uh, SmackDown women's uh, roster needs the help. They need the fresh blood. So I am happy for them at the same time. Very nervous for them. Um, 
but these are these are call-ups that are much much needed that's why we have a next breakout tournament in nxt to continually bring up new and up-and-coming talent which is just the way it needs to be you know even me as a creator it's about the story and the, and the characters and just building up all of them as best i can so um i'm happy for them at the same time i'm kind of like man this can go very bad <laughs> really really quick so we will see what they do with them in the coming uh months but as of right now it's a shot in arm to a women's division that is dead and needs to come back um even though Zelina Vega is back I always thought she was better as a manager but I'm pretty sure she, she always had a desire to wrestle so we'll see how what they do now we have Mysterio Mysterios have joined Edge in his few Roman Reigns to even the odds next week on SmackDown it will be a six-man tag of one of the rare times we will ever see Reigns wrestle on TV or Edge wrestle on TV that may change as these live crowds are coming back because the Thunderdome era did end last th Friday. That was the final Thunderdome event. It was uh, definitely one of the worst eras in company history. Um, well, in the, in the world's history, let's be honest. Um, but it did bring some jewels. It did bring Heel Bailey and the two-woman power trip. It did bring Asuka, who those two were true MVPs. It brought us... Daniel Bryan versus AJ Styles in the finals of the Intercontinental Title Tournament. Uh, it, it 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 brought us heel Roman Reigns. It did. Um, Bobby Lashley becoming a WWE champion, finally getting his opportunity. Um, it did suck though, for moments like I know this is before the Thunderdome, but hear me out. Just this entire era, is, it sucks. We had some moments at WrestleMania that should have been with a crowd. Drew McIntyre getting his moment in front of a crowd. Um, how about Mandy Rose and Otis getting the kiss? Just it, it it brought some good moments. I don't I do not want to go to, to leave this podcast just on a negative Nancy note. It needs to be said that there's some good things that happen. We've missed out on some stuff. The fans missed out on some stuff. The talent missed out on some stuff. But you know what? We're getting past it. We're moving forward. So let's just be as safe as we can, as smart as we can, and do this uh, in, in the best light possible. But this is going to be a fun six-man tag. This is two days before Money in the Bank. I would have to assume the Edge and the Mysterious are going to win because Edge is so... They're so teasing this Edge and Seth Rollins match. Earlier tonight, Edge went to Seth Rollins and said... You are not this. You 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 think I've forgotten about 2014? So that is a seven-year story that will be that will conclude at SummerSlam, where Edge will get the win. He will definitely not get the win this Sunday at Money in the Bank. So I am excited for that. Um, but I'm assuming they're going to win that match. Um, also, Seth Rollins did qualify for Money in the Bank. As of this recording, I have no clue who's going to win. These money in the bank matches. I'm looking at the, who's in them, and I'm like, I have no freaking idea. I just don't know, and I don't even have a guess at this point because I'm just like, Ugh, it's just it's way too close to call. So um, I won't even go there. But um, I am super excited to watch it though. It's one of my favorite pay-per-views to watch. And I think it became one of my favorite pay-per-views after 2011 
when you had Daniel Bryan win, you had Alberto Del Rio win, um, you had CM Punk in that crowd in Chicago go crazy for his match with John Cena. So I'm looking forward to getting out of the con on Sunday, you know, getting to my uh, room and putting the tablet on and watching WWE Network or Peacock for that. Um, Raw. We will finally have it. Looks like we're getting a Jinder Mahal, Drew McIntyre feud. I just wrote this down because I said, it's. I thought they were, I'm surprised they held back this long. I thought he would have been a challenger for WWE title, but this is one way that Drew will lose on Sunday, for sure, to keep him out of the title picture and build him back up until he gets it. Who beats Bobby Lashley? I have no idea. But Bobby Lashley deserves it. Like I said, I think I said this on the show before. He deserves a title run until at least Survivor Series. So... Looking forward to that. The New Day has de- defeated MVP and Bobby Lashley. This uh, There will be a rematch between Xavier Woods and Bobby Lashley this coming uh, Raw. I think this match between Bobby Lashley and Kofi Kingston will be a fun match. And honestly, even if it's not, it could always be reminiscent of what Brock did to Kofi in, in eight seconds. After still building to a Brock-Lashley uh, match, everything that it, I'm looking at online... Seems like uh, that's not going to happen. It, from what everything I've also read from the rumors and all stuff, even from Dave Elster, um, it looks very much like the Cena Reigns match is happening. But at that point, I don't know who you then lock in Lashley with if you don't have Brock Lesnar. I don't know who gets that spot. That's going to be very interesting to see. So, And while we're on the topic of New Day, I am super late, but I want to touch on this. WWE's top 50 list of greatest tag teams. I disagree with a lot of it, but... When you look at their qualifications, that's the key, is the five fine print. When you look at their qualifications, that list actually fits perfectly <laughs> for their list, you know. Because when I saw their list, I said, Legion of Doom, they didn't do anything in WWE. They had one moment, they won the tag titles, and they lost the tag titles, not even on TV. Um, even when they came back in 97... Yes, Legion of Doom, but it wasn't Legion of Doom. They were feuding with the Godwins. They ended up losing to New Age Outlaws. It was, it was whatever. But um, just look at some even Batista and Ric Flair. 50, 50, come on, man, come on, come on. You know, so yeah, the list is definitely disagreeable. But if you go off of their requirements, it actually fits them perfectly. For me, the New Day obviously has the most longevity without breaking up. Without turning, and I think that's why people, even if you're tired of the New Day stuff, that's why I think people are constantly saying they don't need to break them up by having someone turn. Like, our, uh, Kofi's been in this position before. Him and our Truth tag team they had tag team titles for a good amount of time, and then they split up amicably. So, like, you could still have that happen with the New Day. I don't know what you do with Xavier Woods, but I mean, he's been clamoring. To have a King of the Ring tournament. So he's clearly going to be in that whenever they decide to do that. Um, but to me, I, I I wouldn't disagree with this. Who I, I don't know numbers. I, I don't look it up. I don't have the patience to look it up. I have other stuff going on. But I, maybe one day I will. It may, it may be a goal of mine to say, hey, who sells the most merchandise? I, at this point, doesn't it have to be the New Day? Selling the most merchandise in tag team history there? And I get it. That shouldn't factor into a grab. But my point is that's their quite that's a part of their requirements, though. That's the whole point in all this. Um, so, and the, and the run they've had has been spectacular. 
and and there are tree and they put a shield in there so it's it's fair because it's a trio um but the fact that they had wwe title in their possession while being tag team champions the fact that they've had the intercontinental title in the position while holding the tag team titles it's they've done it all they've done it all and so i i can't see why that's a bad thing i i'm assuming this is just because people didn't read the, the fine print because to me if we're talking about 50 that's why i said 50 grace wwe like that's why that's why someone asked me well harlem heat i was like they would be on the list if it was a 50 grace tag teams no, most of those teams wouldn't be on this. Top five would be wildly different. New Day would not be number one. Legion of Doom would have to be number one. You know, but anyways, that's my thought on that. Uh, let's hit the, the Great American Bash. Uh, Adam Cole defeated Kyle O'Reilly in a really good wrestling match. Tegan Knox made her actual return on Great American Bash to distract Candice LeRae and cost away the tag team titles. I I was surprised by this title change with Tony uh, Zoni. Tony, listen to me. Ugh. Zoe Stark and Io Shirai getting it. It adds more of an accolade to Io Shirai. Before, I'm assuming Candice Ray has to finish this feud with Tegan Knox before she... I, 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 why would you tease that? And I, and I don't see the way jumping up to the main roster, but I assume they're going to have at least one match. Um, but um, it was really weird. And I think I do appreciate that Triple H... Wants these tag team titles to feel different than the main roster, so like these belts are changing hands, or you're getting different teams getting them. Um, and once again, it could be they're getting them because they're moving up to the main roster. I hope not, but um, I just thought I just think they deserve, they deserve a more a longer title reign. I understand why Shotzi and Ember because like I said, it was just a build up for the way, and I don't know, just hmm. Uh, so I, I don't think it's hot potato with the tag titles yet, but if Io Shirai and Zoe Stark losing, yeah, it's going to be hot potato at that point. So, anyways, those are those are things I want to talk about about that. Let's get into the good news of the week. When we get into the good news. A snafu, a mistake, a a laughable moment caused one of the greatest debuts. Greatest, that's, that's being super dramatic, but to me, one of the best most surprising happiest uh, debuts in wrestling history when you have malachi black aka tommy in aka alistair black debuting i was watching dynamite live and i didn't see that coming earlier in the night they said they set it up really well earlier in the night cody rhodes and qt marshall's having that strap match which was all right man i was just happy that feud's over um the lights go out and they say, oh, it's inclement weather, you know. And so I, I believed it because it made sense. It's freaking Florida. It's the South, you know. This is hurricane season. And then Aaron, Aaron Anderson comes out to talk. And Aaron Anderson's talking. And I thought it was weird that Aaron Anderson came out to talk. I just thought this was weird. I did think that was weird, but I just didn't put the pieces together. All of a sudden, lights go out. Lights come back on. Malachi Black is amazing. And, the, and I read the reason why his eye is still... Out air quotes doing air quotes doing air quotes. It's because it's an homage to his Alistair Black days and how much he appreciated what he what what he did on those days. But he gave a black mask to Arn Anderson who sold it like death. Then Cody came in. He super, he did the same thing to freaking Cody. I did hear a complaint from 
Brian Zane's wrestling over at who I, I love it, I love his stuff. He said he felt like um that's becoming a trope now where everyone new comes in has to face Cody. And and if that's true, because it, it, I'm not saying he's wrong. I'm if that is true, Cody needs to lose this match. Cody cannot win this match and it helps. Now when I think about it now, he did defeat Lance Archer in the finals of that TNT tournament. Um and he, he and he does have a great one streak, a great winning record. Um but this match, if they well, this is clearly where they're going. He has to lose it. Malachi Black cannot come in and lose to Cody. Now, do I think, me personally, do I think he will do it? I do, but I have I have more faith in Cody than most people do. But if he if Cody does win, then that is a problem that they might they might need to fix because you can't have you, you even if you are a VP. You can't bring everybody new in, get some excitement, and then beat them. That's like with with nothing because he he still can't challenge for the world title. Now I'm I am just excited that he's out of this mid card feud. With honestly, I just don't care about the the factory personally. And he's into a mid card feud with Malachi Black, but Malachi Black needs to win this. He needs to be the one. He needs, he needs to be a killer when he does it. You know, it needs to be a Brody Lee type of moment. You know, so um. We will work all that out, but that was, but the snafu, the mistake was when Alistair Black came up to the main roster and signed a new contract like Ricochet did, they didn't update his clause of 30 days to 90 days non-compete. It was stay stay at 30 days because those NXT contracts are 30 days. Well, apparently, there's more to the story. Bertie Murphy has come on and said that two weeks after he got released, WWE called him and said, hey, just so you know, we see that there's a 30-day non-compete. Uh, if you want to extend that 90-day, we'll love to do it for you. And Buddy looked at his contract and said, nope, wasn't me. And Buddy said, well, I thought that was weird that you would want to pay me for two months since I was a budget cut. Which we all knew it wasn't budget cuts. But I just thought it was funny how you put uh, the pieces come together. Oh, the pieces come together. It's enjoyable. It's actually pretty funny. Um... Pac is stuck overseas again could do the travel restrictions. I believe Tokyo is actually in a state of emergency again thanks to the Delta variant of COVID. So they're shut down. But I believe uh, New Japan is still running their shows. Um, but Pac is once again stuck over o- overseas. Um, which in the, I know someone I saw someone say, why isn't he still over here? Well, I mean, if he has a family and everything and he doesn't want to and he doesn't have to, okay. It's his business, you know. Um I think it does hurt his momentum being over here, you know, but travel restrictions are not going to slow down. Like, with as long as this Delta virus keeps spreading and people do not get the, the vaccine, and I'm not pro-vaccine or, or, or against vaccine. I'm just saying, as long as these, these rates keep going up, we're not shutting down as a country, but we will not let people in and vice versa. So, um, that, that's just one thing that's very important to remember. Kenny Omega and Adam Hangman Page finally meet face to face. This is a match that's, good, that's clearly going to happen at All Out. Omega does not have a, a challenger for Fighter Fest, and honestly, I'm okay with that. I know Adam Page is going to talk next Wednesday, but I'm completely okay if Omega does not wrestle and he just you know what I just know knows we're challenging. And he does and he leaves, but Hangman Adam Page is the number one contender, and he went from one to four, now back to one. He's getting that belt at All Out. And you just see the elite is barely hanging on by the skin of their teeth. They had a great street fight with Eddie Kingston and 
and uh, Penta El Zero Mito. And they are barely, the elite, the elite are getting away with it by the skin of their teeth. When they fall, they're going to fall freaking hard. Um, I'm looking forward to also seeing the IWGP United States Championship defended next Wednesday at Firefest with Moxley, the newly bald-headed Moxley, which I, he looks good, defending against Carl Anderson. That's going to be a great match. I don't, I mean, I know that they're with New Japan, I wouldn't be. I'm not gonna say I'm gonna be surprised if they change the the US, U.S. title, but no, I would no, I would be a little surprised because John Moxley has done whatever in his power to make sure that New Japan t- U.S. title is defended. He does whatever the New Japan needs. I know they would much rather have him drop it in Japan. That's not gonna happen anytime soon, though. And also at the same time, so even if he does drop it, the belt's still gonna be here overseas unless they mail it over there. So I think you might as well just keep it on TNT as long as you can. Because remember, Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows are not contracted AEW wrestlers. They are under a privilege after turning AEW down because it's impact agreement to be on AEW. But then you're essentially taking that belt to to, to TNA or impact. So I don't see them dropping it. But I wouldn't be surprised. But no, nah, I just don't see it. But I wouldn't be surprised either. You know, anyways. Finally, this is some ROH news. The best in the world happened this past weekend, and Chelsea Green made her debut. She signed her contract a month ago, according to PW Insider. The deal's been done. She had to get permission from WWE to appear because her 90-day non-compete is not up, but she's not wrestling or anything yet. She just made an appearance because it's you know one of their big shows. So some people, I would normally say, well, nice of them to do it, but dude... These people, these people have to move on with their life too, you know. And she, it wasn't like she was on TV and she was fresh off TV. She, she wasn't a Malachi Black, but she was fresh off TV, starting a feud. And you were just like, well, we got, we got to make sure she, she stays cold, you know, for, for, for the other company. I mean, it's, plus it's ROH. They don't really, no disrespect to them, but they don't have much buzz right now. So you know, the only, reason, the only way you would know about this is unless you're an actual ROH fan. So I'm happy for her. I'm getting the opportunity to do that. I know ROH is really trying to rebuild that women's division. Um, so good for them. And um, I'm super excited for for her future. Because I thought she was a talent. I know she was injury prone. Um, or became injury prone. But um, I, I think it was just bad timing. Not, not, less injury prone, more bad timing. So, Anyways, that is part one of this show. You're going to hit the DJ Scratch a little something. Then we're getting into a wrestler profile this week. I will talk to you guys again on Wednesday, where we talk about the finale of Loki. Remember, I am dropping Loki early in the morning, baby. So like, follow, subscribe, and enjoy. And we will get to you. We'll enjoy the rest of the profile here. But enjoy Wednesday as well. We will talk to you later on episode 103. What is up, everybody? It's time for another wrestler profile. I will debut this on the second episode in July, and I want to start, I, do, I recorded Triple H's first, his is kind of short though, for the time frame I did, so I decided, cause, because I touched on so much of it in previous matches of the month and stuff like that, that I was like, uh, whatever, and then I ended up making, because I was out of town, then when I got back in town, I got sick, but I had already recorded the pipe bomb um, episode so i kind of say you know what let me put that out there 
Hopefully I feel better by the time Loki comes back around on Wednesday, which I, I do. Because um, as I record, this is the day before episode five of Loki, uh, which is the, the episode before the season finale. But I was I feel much better. So I was like, all right, awesome. Now I'm going to record this one. Because like I said, I was going to do Triple H, but I touched on so much of his stuff that his is pretty short. And this, this won't be the full episode anyway. This is me just kind of, st- uh, I, might end, I might end with this. And just like do like a, a run into it or whatever, um, and we'll figure out how the rest of the show's gonna go. But I I, I, had, I did say I want to do wrestler profiles. I actually did record it. It's just it just was so short and I felt like the same, you know. But this one is different. And I actually have an idea for another one as well, doing it on uh, Taz of ECW and like doing a wrestler profile on him. Um, I think that would be kind of cool. I actually enjoy doing research for this type of stuff. I usually don't enjoy doing uh, research, but anyways, today's wrestler profile is on The Rock. We're going to talk about the years 1996 to 1999, and then I would then how I'm going to do it is follow up with another wrestler profile of him from 2000 to 2001. And remember, all this is until the end of the year. We do dates. We do we we give background on what's going on. So let's start right now. He debuts in 1996. They're up until at Survivor Series. There's a bunch of debut uh, debut vignettes, and I remember these vignettes like it was yesterday because the name and the, it w- was so um, weird, and I didn't know the history of it at the time. I'd never heard of Rocky Johnson. Um, I heard of Peter Maivia, which is the weirdest thing. Heard of his grandfather, but now his father. But I think what that what happened was like. When him and Rocky, him, not him and Rocky, uh, when Rocky Johnson and Tony Atlas won the tag team titles from the Wild Samoans, um, I, I I was very, very, very young, if I was even born yet. I might have been born, but I might have been like two, if then. I don't uh, Um, But I remember PMI Via because uh, there was this, uh, who was it? It was this wrestler in the NWA. Uh, that was telling, I can't remember who it is, but I remember because they were telling the story about how they used to get, put the, 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 the chief tattoo on, the one that you see now that Roman Reigns has and The Rock has, they used to like chisel it into them, which is barbaric and sounds like a terrible way to live your life, but they would do that. And I remember hearing that story from a promoter, in, a, a, a promo in the NWA from somebody. Anyways, I remember hearing the name Peter Maivia, but never Rocky Johnson. And um, then I ended up hearing about more and more. As these debut videos going on, I was a part of a bunch of tape trading groups. And um, I would hear more and more about it. And then I finally just was able to see who it was. I saw them win the tag team titles from the Wild Samoans and all this other stuff. And so then I knew who he was or his heritage. Um, obviously, the first third-generation wrestler ever. Uh, now we have freaking... Um, Randy Orton, obviously. Think about third generation wrestlers, man. It looks like they're, it looks like it's gonna be a short list of them, but they're all gonna be great. So that's what that's what seems to be going. Um, but I remember the the promo had because that first first finish move wasn't the rock bottom, not the people's elbow. It was a shoulder breaker. It was a running shoulder breaker, and I remember seeing that in the vignette and all that other type of stuff. And um. He debuts. I remember his music. His music was, his, I thought his music was cool. It was like, doom, 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 
I remember I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And he came out with a ton of energy. And uh, he was in a 10 man elimination tag, which he ended up winning, pinning gold dust last. I remember watching, I remember that, I remember that Survivor Series vividly because I remember knowing that Shawn Michaels was going to lose that championship to Sid. And that was a night that, as a matter of fact, that's a match that we probably should cover here in November. Honestly, I, if I can remember it. That's a match that should be the match of the month in November. We should cover the history of that. Uh, I might need to record it now just to remember it. But that was a moment in time. Take a twig of water. Um, but he wins the match. I remember the match. It was a, a standard tag team elimination match. It was clearly the way to put him over. Um, I don't remember him being booed, though. You know, I, I mean, if you talk to WWE in their history... I think they might say he got booed. I don't remember. I watched it live. So I don't remember him. Be, I remember people just being curious about it. You know, I, I also remember him. And he had the, the curly hair on top. And he looked ridiculous in that outfit he had. I mean, that's just. It was like the same thing they did with Farouk. He had the gladiator blue thing. And he looked like he was going to bang Sonny in a white in a, in, a, in a BBC porn. But I mean, whatever, I guess. Anyways, he doesn't do anything else of note in 96. Like, everything else is kind of just them, Vince McMahon pushing him and kind of forcing the third generation narrative and, and all that type of stuff. But he doesn't do anything of note. It's not until Thursday, Raw Thursday, where he does a small package on the current Intercontinental Champion, Triple H, and he defeats Triple H to win his first taste of Intercontinental Gold in the WWF. Um... I remember this being, I remember him getting a slight reaction, but I remember this, to me, there was, there was no reaction, because if I'm not mistaken, the air was sucked out of the building when Shawn Michaels came out, lost his smile, the fans just love Shawn, Shawn, I think Mark Henry said it best a few years ago, he was like, Shawn just has this connection with the fans, he can do no wrong. That's why that Chris Jericho storyline in 2008 was so good. Because Jericho was right. Sean's always done heelish things. But Sean, I don't think anyone who was a wrestling fan, who was a pro wrestling fan, would ever say that Shawn Michaels um, was a, a, a true babyface. He never was. This dude would get up, sweet shit music, someone, and curse him out. Like, you're not a babyface, dude. Like, like... I know that's a thing that people want to push, but no, I don't think anyone who is a wrestling fan would ever say that. But the air was so sucked out. It, it got a reaction. It did get a reaction. I'm sure it wasn't the reaction that Vince McMahon wanted. He wanted this to be his star-making moment. It wasn't even a decent... It was a decent match. But obviously, now that we have hindsight, they have much better matches. Much better. Judgment Day, 2000. Uh, the freaking Intercontinental Land match at SummerSlam 98, where they stole the show and both became stars superstars in that moment you know they were they were already stars but to me when they stole the show that 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 year even if austin wasn't concussed in the main event no way in hell they were beating that ladder match to me that that is if i have a match where i can, I can go back to if peacock was set with the wwe network and they had the bars where you could see we could just go right to a match which i think they i think they kind of do now but anyways like if i would i would just go watch that match all time the commentary from Jim Ross and and, uh, and Jr. and I I I love doing his when Triple H kicks him off the ladder and then he jumps off and you hear Jr. say oh 
and you see, and you, hear, you see the rock bottom, and you hear the crowd gas, and then you hear Jerry say, oh, Helmsley just hit rock bottom from the Intercontinental Champion. It was so perfect. But anyways, this, this I think, had just such a, a it got it got screwed, essentially, because, one, he was being forced down everyone's throats. Two, it was a Raw on Thursday. Three, Shawn Michaels just has that connection, man. He just... He just has that connection to where people just, they love him. And he can do no wrong sometimes. Um, anyways, his first WrestleMania match is against a man called The Sultan with Bob Backlund. As Rocky Maivia is escorted to a ring with his father, Rocky Johnson. The Sultan, you learn to know he is Rikishi later on. The Sultan was a really weird gimmick. I remember having an action figure, the bone-crunching action figure with Bob Back. I really wish I had those figures. I wish, like... Man, I did buy a couple of them. I seen a couple of them in stores, and it's comic book shop. I go to every now and then. It's, I saw my favorite mankind of all time autographed, bought that, and I got the gold dust. Those two I used to use all the time. Anyways, uh, I I didn't never I never understood the Sultan at that time. They're just trying to use Bob Backlund um, for any role. He, he was clearly nuts. He's always never nuts, I guess. Um, but the Sultan was a gimmick that obviously didn't get over. It was not really that good. Make sure I'm still recording. Um, and um, the match was bad. It ended up with Rocky Rocky winning by DQ. It was not entertaining. It was not going to go over in front of that Chicago group. Fan, fan base. It just wasn't good. It just, psh, just to say, it wasn't good. Anyways, uh, Rocky ends up having a knee injury. And um, he ends up uh, losing the Intercontinental Championship to Owen Hart. And um, he ends up going out on surgery uh, having having surgery on his knee for a few months, um, so he's out of action until mid summer. Uh, I was I would say July, where uh, he comes in and he he comes out of the crowd and he comes in he checks on uh, someone. Then he turns around, hits Crush with the rock bottom. It's the first time he ever used the rock bottom. Boom, and then he joins the Nation of Domination. Which was the best thing to ever happen to him, obviously. The nation had a nation to me is one of the most important groups in WWFE history. Um, I think it's very very underrated because of the content sometimes, and people don't want to touch it. And honestly, like when I listen to a lot of white pack podcasters talk, I can see why they wouldn't want to talk about because like they're like, well, it's a Black Panther gimmick. Let's move on, you know, you know, like, like Farouk was cutting some of the best pro. Ron Simmons was cutting some great freaking promos. It wasn't, it was like anything he was saying was not actually true. You know what I'm saying? Like when he took uh, Vince to test about, hey, how come there's never been a black WWE champion? Why not, Vince? You know, so I think it was a really, it was a great talent. Farouk was a he was the right guy to to take over uh, that group, and then you had Kama, then you had Mark Henry, D'Lo. I thought it was a good, I thought it was a really good group. I enjoyed what they did, even if it was a little hokey at times. Um, but anyways, um, obviously it was the best thing to do. Then he cuts the very next week. He cuts the promo on why he joined the nation. It was a great promo. You guys were saying die Rocky, die all these things. Um, and so, to me, 
that was uh, the most important step in his career was him being able to go in that group and actually show some shine. At the same time, it obviously helps. You have a, a very eclectic uh, writing group. You have a Bruce Pritchard. You have a Jim Cornette. You have a Vince Russo um, that now are encouraging these things. And this is where Vince Russo, I think, needs to get some credit. The, you know, I've actually never talked about Vince Russo much on my show. And I've, I've actually uh, worked with the guy. I worked with the guy for a year. Uh, he was tra- showing training me on commentary actually for a full for a year it was pretty interesting um one day i'll talk more in detail about that but i think having him there especially him being probably one throwing those ideas out there but then rock being able just to show his chops you know um he didn't really do anything of note just just join the nation and then once austin came back now they're 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 not they never left the rocky train that's the difference between then and now now you see someone like a Ricochet and a John Morrison, who I just saw last two weeks, who I on Raw just show their butts off, and like it's clear they're gonna they're gonna do so many ignorant things in that men's they're not winning, but they, well, and John Morrison may win. John Morrison, I can see I can see them putting John Morrison in that position to win, um, but as of right as of this recording, the full money in the bank is not there. But it's a bunch of new people though, you know. But I, but. Ricochet's not. <laughs> no, he's not winning, uh, even though he probably should. But um, differences then now, it was subtle. 97, we should do something called a deep dive. And I'm literally making this up on the fly. And go through 97 w- with a fine-tooth comb. It was such an important year in the year in, in, in professional wrestling. Not just WWE, but WCW as well. Because it was... It, it's so many intricate plot lines and storylines that it's just super cool to, to even talk about and think. I remember I immensely enjoyed 97. I think I, I want to say 97 was the first time I ever watched I, I ever watched every pay-per-view all year with the exception of one. That's crazy. I, I never I've never seen Canadian Stampede ever. And that's one of the universally known as one of the greatest in your houses, if not the greatest in your house of all time. Excuse me. Um, and um, and so that's the only paper I did not watch that year. It's very interesting. Anyway, so he's in the nation. And the push never stopped. It's just rebuilding him now, making him a heel, making him help for doing heelish things. So Austin calls Farouk. The Intercontinental Championship is a, a tournament after he got hurt. And it was Farouk and Owen Hart in the finals, which was really weird at that time, having two heels uh, in the finals. But it was cool why. Well, Austin nails Farouk with the Intercontinental Championship. Owen regains the Intercontinental Championship for the very last time. Um, that starts the feud between Austin and the nation as Austin then regains the WWE Intercontinental Championship at Survivor Series, he defeats Owen Hart in pretty much a squash match. Anyways, um, then he goes on, and at this point, the rocket ship is clearly on the back of Steve Austin. And he is, he just, once he won that Intercontinental title the second time, it was so beneath him. It's, I remember one time I had a conversation with a friend of mine at the time. This was many, many, many years ago, many moons ago. And I remember vividly, he said, man, I you never won the Intercontinental title. I said, it would look so weird seeing him as the Intercontinental champion 
or the U.S. It just doesn't make any sense. The world tower looks sometimes beneath him, you know, even though it's, it's, it's a very important piece to him, you know, when he does win it. It still looks kind of whatever, right? That intercontinental title was you just knew he 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 didn't need it. The first time he won it, it was so one anticlimactic because he was hurt, but he, it was a big moment. And I remember he and he needed it then to get his first singles gold in the company because at that time at that time he was a two time tag team champion. Anyways, um, what ended up happening was he won it that second time, and it was just ugh, it was. Dude, it was so beneath him. It was just, it just, you knew he was the next champion. He was the next world champion, not IC champion, you know? And so, next thing you know, that he's, remember, now he's in the middle of this feud because Farouk said in an interview, hey, you've got, you, you poked your nose in nation business, you know? And so now, The Rock is the one that kind of took over that. And that led to the infamous beatdown at the next pay-per-view, Degeneration X, where Austin drove his truck to the ring, stunned D'Lo on top of it, beat the hell out of Karma. The only one he didn't touch was The Rock, and he actually didn't handed the, he just handed the Intercontinental title to The Rock. And of course, he stunned him in the process, but he just handed it to him, and that led to the moment where he threw the belt over the, uh, the bridge or whatever. Um, but they were, Rock was, Rock was, not on like if Austin was tier one or tier two going to tier one with Shawn Michaels, Rocky was like tier four, then he got tier three, he was there, and then he became you know, obviously. Um but that led to the feud with Austin, which wasn't it was it was the beginning of what will become the Austin Rock feud, but it wasn't we weren't getting Austin was so hot he had to move on really fast. So it was just like a splash. If you guys drink coffee, I don't drink coffee, but I've seen people who order coffee from Starbucks and they say, I need a splash of semen in this or whatever, whatever the bleep, right? Um, obviously I'm a drag right? but it's like, I need a splash of this or this and this. It was just a splash of what we would come to get. And it was fantastic. But, you would see even flashes of it in the 98 Royal Rumble, where Rocky was the last one to be eliminated. Um, but then Rocky had another feud that he was going to. That, to, to me, that was Ken Shamrock's best feud um, during his tenure, when he was his hottest. You had Shamrock versus Rock, which to me, I thought they had great chemistry. Um, I thought they also had really good matches. Um that's why it was no surprise when Ken Shamrock asked The Rock to induct him into the TNA Hall of Fame. Because, to me, I think they had really good chemistry. Um, but the slow takeover of the nation was happening at the time, too. You could see The Rock kind of mocking Farouk in the background, kind of just rolling his eyes. And you see the, the takeover happening. You see Farouk getting out of it, you know, um, but, or leaving. So... If you go to WrestleMania 14, Ken Shamrock versus The Rock, Intercontinental title on the line. Shamrock wins. He has a make lock. Rocky taps, but Shamrock won't let go. In the process of Rock of not letting Rock go, he loses by disqualification. He, he goes crazy, freaking suplexes everybody, and Rocky ends up retaining the IC title by disqualification. So we kind of protect everybody. Um, 
But I remember being pissed because I thought that Shamrock was going to win the Intercontinental title. And then the very next down Raw is the the night where Rock officially takes over the lead, turns Farouk babyface, and kicks Farouk out the nation. The group he started. And um, that leads to a feud with Farouk, which was very subpar. Um, but at that time, at that, but at that time in Farouk's career, he he, it was good that he transitioned to a tag team. I think he needed it the most. You know, I don't think I think his single run, his single run, his singles running that, in my opinion, it was over. But it just led to another part of his career, which was just as important having the APA acolytes at the time do that. So that was really good. Um, next thing you know, this leads to the feud with the Nation, and excuse me, the feud with DX as you had to hit, hit the King of the Ring, um, which the entire King of the Ring tournament, in my opinion, was you had Shamrock and Severin pretty much benefiting from each member of the nation and each member of DX screwing each other over. X-Pac would lose to, 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 to uh, Severin by countout because Owen Hart screwed him over. Then uh, Owen Hart would get screwed over by, by X-Pac, <laughs> which led to Shamrock being in the, the semifinals against The Rock. And same thing. It, it was just It was filled with moments where it was just like DX and Nation are screwing each other over. Um, which led to the finals of the King of the Ring tournament. The only King of the Ring tournament that Rocky was ever in, he made it to the finals of, ended up losing by submission to Ken Shamrock, and Ken Shamrock ended up making the Intercontinental Champion tap out in probably Shamrock's greatest moment in WWE. When that, I know he went on to be a double champion. He was a... He did hold the Air Cottonelle title and the uh, Tag Team title, title simultaneously. Um, but I, I do think this is probably one of the, his better... His, I think it's probably his best moment. I mean, obviously that's subjective, so who doesn't matter? But, um, yeah, I thought the tournament was subpar because of all the run-ins and stuff like that. But the finals was decent. You know, they didn't go very long. And sorry, but something is like... It's like I keep hearing a... Something was in... Think everything out of my mouth. Um, but anyways, um, that sounded completely nasty. Oh well, said it. Um, anyways, um, this the, now once this King Ring tournament's over, now the feud really ramps up between DX and the Nation, and now you have the infamous moment where they're pretty much they lock DX in their locker room. China's alone. They have you have essentially have them four black guys about to do something to something to some random white woman. Um, you know, you have that moment, then you have the moment where people say it has people say it hasn't aged well. The DX impersonation of the of the of the of the nation, I completely fucking disagree. But I also know that I'm not as sensitive as other people are. Um, to me, I can watch that right now and enjoy it because it's funny as hell. Like to me, that's why I find funny. People listen to stand up comedians all the time who are very brutal. With their honesty, Dave Chappelle and these other people who are extremely brutal with their commentary, and somehow that's able to age, but blackface on X Pac isn't. Like, dude, it's it's a joke. That's what it was. It was legitimately them mocking everything they do. You know, because at this time, also remember, Combat transformed into the Godfather and all this other stuff. And it, I thought it was great television. To this day, I will defend that segment against anything now if you're in a big corporation you're at the top of the corporation you want no kind of controversy 
then yeah, that stuff won't age well for you because it's gonna affect your bottom line. But me as a consumer, me that um would hate to cut on, now I'm gonna have to check this now. Now I'm gonna check the date on that um that moment, and now I'm gonna see if it's on Peacock to see, and see how much it's been edited. Because it was a to me to this day I can watch it. There's no offense. I, I, There's nothing to take offense over. There was there was nothing said that nation wasn't saying themselves. They were literally mocking the nation. So I disagree with that when people say it hasn't aged well. I don't know what the fuck that means. Like, stop stop being so sensitive. Stop doing that. It's annoying. It was one of the best moments in Raw history. And I remember, when I, first, I remember my reaction when I first saw it. Because I was watching it live. And you, you hear The Rock says, The Rock says. He come out, I was like, oh, no. And I remember, here, I remember when I watched it back, I actually heard JR do the same thing. And I was like, I did not know JR did that because that's how loud I was. But I was just like, what the hell is this? I was like, oh, I said, what are they doing? And it was so entertaining. I still find it freaking entertaining. As a matter of fact, I might watch it once I'm done recording this thing. That's how entertaining I thought it was. Uh, uh, but um, that's just, that's just my opinion. Um, but this led to what I just said earlier. To me, one of the greatest ladder matches by two probably the greatest ladder, ladder match by two non-flyers or uh, or in in history like i know razor wasn't a high flyer uh but i mean like this i think this is the first time they had a ladder match where it was like two non-flyers though because sean was a high flyer you know what i'm saying um but I, I remember first time I watched it, obviously I was rooting for Triple H. I was a huge DX fan. I loved what the nation was doing as well, but I loved what DX was doing, especially after that that, that impersonation moment. Um but it was great and I loved every second of it. And um to me you should watch go out of your way to watch that match. Um think of it as a bonus match of the month uh for July. Um, but to me, it helped make those two star guys superstars. Now, even if you say it only made The Rock a superstar, because that's fine, it wouldn't be more than a year later where Triple H, Triple H would have his moment as well. You know, but but this is where they clearly made the determination to turn him babyface. Because when he body slams Triple H on that ladder and he goes to that people's elbow, you when that camera pans back and you see that crowd in Madison Square Garden go crazy for the people's elbow... That's probably the moment they say we're going to turn this guy babyface. Because maybe a month later he turns babyface and leaves the nation. Um, and, and the nation is no more. And um, then you you have this moment, these moments that lead into Vince Russo's magna opus. The Dilly Games Tournament in 1990 Survivor Series. Everything they did in September, which was breakdown, I believe. October... In November, to me, was the best storytelling Vince Russo had ever did. It was the most cohesive he had ever been in. And the tournament was shitty. Any tournament in WWE is going to probably be shitty that's in one night. You have, like, three or four-minute matches, people having double DQs and whatever. But... To me, to, to build the build to everything, where you have Vince and Shane on opposite sides, Vince making Shane a referee. These are things that you just didn't see coming at the time. Like, I remember watching it saying, oh, my God, they got me. There was, And I don't care who you are. And F you if you say you saw it coming. You're so full of crap. You didn't see it coming. Because 
there was no way to see it coming. There was just no way to see it coming because it was so good. Just everything that was put in place. And to me, it was one of the best double turns. Not double turns, but uh, it was one of the best turns. You just turned this guy from heel to baby. He is hot. I remember his music first hits at Survivor Series. Do you smell? With this? And it's a new music. Because the first Do You Smell the Rock cooking was very slow. This one was, do you smell what the rock is cooking there? But the iconic one. And like you have everyone. Now you have two big white guys in there smelling what the rock is cooking in chef's outfits and all that good stuff. And um, and so then you get to the very end to see a second Montreal screwdriver air quotes. You can't see me doing air quotes, doing air quotes. And you screw over Austin. And this is my finals. Then you screw over mankind. So you screw over two people now. And now you have two people essentially gunning for the Rock's world title. And that's, and I'm telling you right now, it was so important to have mankind be the filler. So mankind was such an important figure for the Rock. To me, mankind was the most important figure in the Attitude Era. As far as being the guy to be a filler in the filler role. And some people might say, hey, that's an insult, it's a backhanded compliment. If those are if you if you're that person, just cut this off. Because I don't I don't I don't care. He was so important because he made so many people look like stars. Even into the times where he probably should have stopped wrestling, he was making people like Randy Orton look like major stars. And to me, him him being that filler to have those two world tile runs to Keep Rock busy while Austin feuded with McMahon until WrestleMania. It was so important. That was so important to screw over both guys. To make both of them come after him and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to get you, Rock, because you you did this to me, you know? Um, which to me was very, very important. So, we go into 99. At Rock Bottom in 98, the very last pay-per-view... See, I'm getting my notes all together. You can't my notes. Um, Mankind got screwed, which then, then led to the first uh, Raw of January 99, where that infamous, where that infamous line from Tony Schiavone, that'll put butts in seats, uh, led to a huge turn. And Mankind went, that just went, the t- that place was unglued. And it wasn't just for the Austin moment. They weren't unglued, they weren't unglued for that, but they were unglued. They were counting the three count with Earl Hebner. It they went unglued for Mankind winning the WWF title, and the, and then this led to January, the most infamous I Quit match in history of that company, with the chair shots, with the Beyond the Mat, uh, mat people being there, with Mankind never saying I quit, with um, him you could see the blood pouring from the mask, it. I'm not going to pretend like it's hard for me to watch. It's not. I know some people feel like it's hard for them to watch because of chair shots. Some chair shots to the head are hard for me to watch. Like, this is this is Impact pay-per-view. I can't remember which one it is. But um, it's an older one when it was still called TNA. And um, Matt Morgan just pokes his head out. Like, like I can't remember who hits him with a chair. But I remember right before Matt Morgan gets hit with a chair, this other person gets hit, gets hit with a chair, they put their hands up. Matt Morgan just takes it head on. I was like, 
That's hard to watch because that looks fucking ridiculous. But this match is not hard for me to watch because it's just it's just a part of the allure. I I, I think I think it's just a part of the allure of it, and I kind of got desensitized because I think that was one of the matches that I really started when I first started studying 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 wrestling was after that Dilly Games tournament because I was like, oh, they got me. I'm not gonna let them get me again, <laughs> right? Uh, you know, I was being a hashtag Petty Baker, but I was like, they're gonna get me again. I think that match was the first match where I said. He didn't say I quit. That's when I started studying it. Because I remember I recorded that pay-per-view. And I remember I was watching it over and over. I was, I was like, there's no way he could say that. You see, if you watch that match, you watch him when The Rock just puts the mic to him. I quit! I quit! I quit! And you you, you have to have body movement in that whole time. I remember seeing myself, he didn't say that. He is completely screwed over. He never said that. Because I, I was so intent on not being God again. Which... I've been got several times since. But um, to me, that was the most brutal match. It made Rock look like an absolute killer. It made Mankind look freaking crazy to do that. Um, it just was a, kind of a win-win all around. That match will obviously never take place today, and it shouldn't. Um, but I'm not going to say I know some people will say it's hard for them to watch. It's not hard for me to watch. But some chair shots are, but those... That I think because I guess it, because I did go back and start studying a ton of freaking wrestling, I think I just got desensitized to watching that when I'm just kind of sitting back like, all right, I already know this is coming, so it's not hard for me to watch, you know. But some chair shots are hard to watch. Um, the Eddie Guerrero one to JBL, that's hard to watch because that's freaking brutal. But the rest of it isn't. Anyways, they would trade the title back and forth. You would go to halftime heat. Uh, well, for, well. Mankind will win it back for a second time in halftime heat. Then the Rock will win it back after it being a devil uh, countout in the last man standing match in St. Valentine's Day Massacre. He will win it back in a ladder match thanks to the big show. Then he will go on to WrestleMania to have the first of three matches. I think it's the first time in WWE history and the only time that... It's not the only time anymore. Triple H and Tigger also have had matches... Um, but fun fact about those guys is they've never main evented a WrestleMania. Two of the three matches they actually main evented. I know some people will say the third match was a main event as well. Look here. You can have things as a double main event. We know this. It wasn't the main event. The main event's the last match on the card. So that's why when you have Punk getting mad and other people mad that Punk has never main evented, look, he hasn't. You know, you have people like Miz who's main evented WrestleMania, Jericho's main evented WrestleMania. So it's just one of those things. Anyways, so this then leads to a face turn. And this is amazing how many times he turned face and heel in an eight-month time span. He went from a heel at SummerSlam to a face in September, back to a heel in November, back to a face in April or or May. I would say the end of May. Technically, it was April, though. I know he was still the heel. He had his rematch against Austin that he lost. But it was May. It was April. Like, they were still chanting his name and stuff like that. So in a short time span, he did. he was... He just wasn't be a, he wasn't gonna be a heel for very long. He was just destined for other things. Then we lead to lead into '99, where you have Triple H making his star-making appearance. And matter of fact, now that I'm thinking about it, I'll just drop his wrestler profile next week, and then I'll look do my research on The Rock from um, 2000 2001, and then I'll drop his the next week, and we'll just have a kind of like a back and forth to finish off July. But anyways, um, his feud with Triple H and Billy Gunn. Uh, where he 
<laughs> they were really trying their best to push Billy Gunn. Um, it just did not work, um, which is okay. You know, it happens. Uh, Billy Gunn was the king of the ring, and he had no chance. <laughs> he had no chance. Uh, he got destroyed in this feud. He should have gotten destroyed in this feud. Um, his weakness has always been talking, but he he wasn't going to have a chance against The Rock. The Rock was so hot in this moment. He would not regain any type of gold. Uh, excuse me. He would not retain any type of world championship gold in 99. This this is when he would then rebuild. It was not rebuild, but he would build the Rock and Sock connection for essentially the rest of the year. You know, he was tag team champions with Mankind. Um, so, so going from en enemies to friends... Uh, to me, which was another important moment, which obviously that you didn't have the the most watched moment in Raw history. If, if it could still be that, um, where you have the Rock and Sock uh, uh, connection, this is your life. Um, so it's it, it it came full circle for sure. Um, to me, if you're gonna watch anything from this run of that that I just talked about, I think because like, there was nothing else noble. As far as, it was just a bunch of random feuds with tag teams, New Age Outlaws, The Rock, and, excuse me, uh, Big Show and The Undertaker. So I don't want you guys to think I'm cutting this thing short or anything like that. But it was nothing like that. The, the idea of these wrestler prof profiles are to then highlight the moments that you should be watching, you know. Um, but honestly, the tag team matches weren't that great. Their interview segments were more entertaining than anything. So if you're going to watch anything, you're going to watch their, uh, their segments, you know, not their matches. Um... But if you're gonna watch anything, take anything from this, I will watch This Is Your Life if you've never seen it. I watched a DX impersonating the nation. I will watch the SummerSlam nineteen ninety eight match between the Rock and Triple H for the Intercontinental title. I would even go out of my way to watch the the, the, the promo that Rock that started the Rock. You know, because he's now known as the Rock, not Rocky Maivia. Um I, I and, and so, to me, he had a very interesting. Like, like we don't talk about it enough because I think he was gone so fast that we didn't really appreciate. Like the other day, I saw on Instagram a um, freaking Hollywood Rock action figure. I did not know this existed. It came with a guitar. I was like, if this, I, I was looking for it on eBay. I was, I'm willing to pay some money for it. I have, it was not on eBay. I don't know where this person got this figure from. It was definitely an authentic WWE figure. Um, but I was like, I didn't know this existed, but I need this in my life somehow. That was one of the best. Once again, it was a short run, too. Same, with, same thing with Hollywood Batista. And I am calling it. And I'm, I'm glad I brought this up. We will get a Hollywood Reigns one day. A Hollywood Roman Reigns. I will make sure I get that elite figure when it comes out. I am calling it right now. In July 2021, we will get a Hollywood Reigns figure. I mean, Hollywood Reigns uh, situation. I'm looking so forward to that. So, anyways, that is your rest of the profile. I hope you enjoy it. Um, tell me what you guys think about it. I'm going to do these in, in, in July. And if I get good feedback, I'll keep them going. It won't be every week like they're going to be in July. But it'll be most weeks. Um, that, you know, just to add to the show. But, anyways, that is the end of the show this week. Hope you guys enjoy it. Oh, wow, we went 40 minutes on that. Uh, anyways, <laughs> it might be a longer show. Oopsie. Uh, but, anyways, enjoy your week. We're out.